The following podcast is a recording from the sermon ministry of Faithway Baptist Church in Leesburg, Virginia. Our prayer is that this message will be used by God to help you in your daily walk with Him. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Now, we finished up, if you were with us last week, we wrapped up the book of Isaiah, and I know that I went through that really fast. In fact, there was about 10 of you who asked for a copy of my sermon notes, that way you could go back and kind of follow along with where we were at on that. And so, if you'd like a copy from last week, let me know. I'll definitely send you those verses so you can follow along. But next week, we're going to be starting the book of Hebrews together in the New Testament, and it is one of my favorite books in the Bible, yet it's one of the most difficult books probably to preach and study through. And so that is one of the reasons in the past 15 years of our church, I have never preached through the book of Hebrews, but I am looking forward to the challenge of doing so here starting in the next couple of weeks or next week together. And so Lord willing, we'll be going through the book of Hebrews and we will be able to study that passage of scripture uh, together. We're going to be looking today at a subject that is a little bit, I would say, controversial, Um, not necessarily controversial, but anytime you bring up the subject of money, especially in church, someone says, oh boy, the pastor's after my money. Well, that's not it at all today. In fact, this is something I told you last week I wanted to share with you because over the past couple of years, the Lord has really been working in my heart. When I was was in college, my pastor at the time of the college church that I went to, he challenged all of the college students to begin reading the Proverbs every day. And so whatever day it is, today's the 26th, you read Proverbs 26. There's 31 Proverbs, and usually there's 30 or le- 31 days or less than a month. I don't think there's a month with 32 days. So it works perfectly in the calendar where you can read through the Proverbs. And I've been trying to do that every single day um, since then. I- I've missed a few days, and so I definitely am not perfect. Um, but as I've gone through the book of Proverbs, there's been some themes that have been consistent, some things that I've observed. And one of those things that I've observed is God talks a lot about money. But before we get to that, I'd like to share with you today a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 17. So if you're there in Deuteronomy, Matthew, I'm sorry, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament, all the way in the beginning of the Bible. It's called the book of the law. And in Deuteronomy chapter number 17 and verse number 14, God is going to begin by giving the Jews some instructions about what a king must not do when they arrive in the promised land, all right? So Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse number 14, the Bible says, When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are about me, then thou shalt in any wise set him a king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, one from among thy brethren shall thou set as king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stronger over thee, which is not thy brother. So God says the king that you pick has to be a, one of your Jewish brothers um, there, one of the Hebrews. But verse 16, but he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that they should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, yet henceforth shall return no more that way, neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away, Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Now, most of you know the story of Solomon. For sake of time today, I'm not going to go back and look at the text. 
But Solomon, just let me recap today, was a man that accumulated much silver, much gold. He had 300 wives and 700 concubines. And he did exactly what God says in Deuteronomy that the kings of Israel were not to do. Solomon was the third king of Israel. And I'll tell you, from Solomon on, it just went downhill as far as the kings of Israel go. There were a couple of good guys, but all the way to the very end, mostly it was scattered with wicked kings who did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so when you know Solomon's story, this verse in, these verses in Deuteronomy are the opposite of what a king should do, especially the last part of that verse. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Now, here's the point of the message today, and we'll see this in the book of Proverbs and throughout the entire Bible. A man's wealth or a person's wealth is not measured in the size of his bank account or in how much money he accumulates. The measure of a man's wealth is how much money he allows to pass through his hands during the course of his lifetime. Now, when you understand the Bible and you understand Proverbs, we'll see today that that is what God says, and God's word is very clear. You accumulate money and things and possessions for yourself. At the very end, where do they go? They go to kids who don't appreciate it, or the government comes in and they confiscate half of it. The goal of the Christian we'll see from the Bible is not to accumulate wealth. There's a reason why the kings of Israel were told not to hold on to money. There's a reason why, and we'll see that here in the Bible today. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verse number 14, it says this about Solomon. The weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. All right, you can do the math this morning if you want to. One talent in the Old Testament verbiage here, was 75 pounds. Well, this is a ton of gold. In fact, it's more than a ton of gold. It's a lot of gold. 666 talents of gold came into the treasury for Solomon every year. As a matter of fact, so much gold flowed into Solomon's coffers into the kingdom of Israel. So much gold came in that gold and silver was actually had little value back in, those, in Solomon's day. You remember what Jesus said in the New Testament? In, in the New Testament economy, Jesus gave a parable in Matthew chapter 18. And, and he gave that parable and he said that an illustration of you and I, when we compare our sin debt to God, we owe 10,000 talents. So Solomon brought in 666 talents every single year of gold. God says our debt, if we compare our sin debt to what who God is, it's like 10,000. So our sin doesn't even compare to what, which it's not even on the scale. But in 2 Kings chapter 10, in verse number 14, the Bible tells us that Saul or Solomon gathered to himself a lot of gold. In other words, he disobeyed what God told the kings of Israel not to do. 2 Kings chapter 10, verse number 26, it says, and Solomon gathered together, and then it lists all the things that he gathered, including horses and chariots and houses and wives and things that God said that they were not to gather. Well, this morning I told you this is a little bit of a different message because normally I'll preach expositorily. We'll go through a passage of scripture verse by verse, and that's what we're going to do starting next week. But today I'd like to take a look at what the Bible says in Proverbs about wealth and what true wealth really is all about. You talk to a financial advisor and they'll say, well, if you want to retire, you have to have X amount of millions of dollars in the bank one day. And I just laugh. Yeah, okay, sure, that, that, that's a nice thing to say, right? But is that realistic? Now, some of you, God is blessed. And you are at financially at a place where God has been very good to you. We live in the wealthiest county in America. 
and there is a lot of money that flows through our, through our area. You drive down Route 7 and you'll see the Bugattis and you'll see the Lamborghinis and the fancy cars that are there. And you can see some really big super mansions here in Loudoun County. They, they are around. People have a lot of wealth. But just because you have wealth doesn't mean that you are necessarily doing what God wants you to do in your life. And I'll illustrate this today by giving you an example. Like I said, a little bit of a different message today. Illustrate this by giving you an example of one of my heroes in the faith. It's a man by the name of George Mueller. I think, Bruce, you and I have the same appreciation for George Mueller, don't we? I've read his biographies widely. Um, I like Winston Churchill and George Mueller. Those are the two that I'll read about quite a bit. And one thing that I greatly admire about George Mueller is that he in his life was not an accumulator. Solomon was. Solomon brought many things into his life. Isaac, do we have a picture of George Mueller up there? You look at this guy here. It was supposed to be on there. Maybe it's not. You look at him. You can pull him up. He's not anything to look at. He's this squirrely kind of skinny guy and uh, not a whole lot there that leaves to be. When you look at him, you say, well, he's not that impressive on the outside. But in his life, he was a man of faith who God used in England in a great way to help out the orphans. You see, back in the early 1800s, the mid-1800s, when George Mueller was alive, England was just beginning the Industrial Revolution. And there were a lot of kids that would run the streets, a lot of orphans, and they would be the ones that were the coal sort of chimney sweeps, and they would run around and steal things. And there was really no guidance. There was no public, um, there was not like an adoption process or foster care thing that we have in America today. There was nothing for the orphans. They were left on their own. And George Mueller, being a man of God, a man of faith, saw the great need for these orphans to have a place that they could call home. And so he felt, he and his wife felt led by God to start an orphanage, to minister to them, to share the gospel, but also to meet their needs. And every day, George Mueller would get on his knees and he would beg, for, he would beg God for bread. You know, if you and I were to go open up an orphanage today and we were to go to the bank and we were to say, well, we want to do this, they would say, okay, show us a business plan. Do you know what George Mueller's business plan was? Let me get on my knees and let me pray and ask God to bring in money. He said, well, that doesn't sound like a very good business plan. No, on the surface, it doesn't. But George Mueller had something incredible in his life, something that I pray that I have more of, and that is faith. Every day he would get on his knees and pray, and God would meet his knees, needs. In 64 years of ministry, he cared for 10,029 orphans. Can you imagine having 10,029 children? I, I got three kids. That's, that's a lot of kids, right? But, but that 10,000 children that not only that you feed and you care for and clothe, but you would educate them as well. Now, someone told me the other day that they were, they were thinking about sending their kid to Georgetown. I looked up how much Georgetown costs to go there for four years. It's over $350,000 for four years. That's crazy. Imagine having to pay for 10,000 kids their, their education. That's an awful lot of money. And he did. Well, God did. And maybe he didn't send them to an Ivy League school, right? But he fed them and he clothed them and he cared for them. And most importantly, he and his wife, they ministered the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. George Mueller, in his lifetime, had over 1.5 million pounds given to his ministry. Now, follow with me here today. In 1880, 1 1.5 million pounds um, in American money, 100 years ago, is $8 million. Do you know what $8 million is worth today, according to $8 million in 1880? $234,643,137.25. Huh. 
Right? According to Google's calculator, that's what it was worth during the ministry of George Mueller. That's how much money flowed through his orphanage to take care of those 10,000 orphans in 64 years. When George Mueller died, according to public records, you know how much money was in his bank account? The equivalent today of $11,000. That's how much money he had access to over the course of his life that God provided. And when he died, in today's value, he had $11,000. That's it. Amazing man of faith. He was not an accumulator of money. Instead, he used the money that God gave to enrich the kingdom of God. Here's the question for each of us today. Because God has blessed you. You say, well, I don't have much money. You can look at my checking account. There's not much there. If you've ever been to a second or a third world country and you've come back and you see what we have here, we are so blessed, my friends. God has given us so much. And the little that you have compared to what other people around the world wish that they could have, God has blessed us in incredible ways. How do you and I accumulate wealth that will matter in eternity? Well, Proverbs is where we're going to be today. So we're going to have the verses on the screen. But if you'd like to turn there and mark these verses in your Bible, please feel free to do so. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 3. In Proverbs chapter 3, God says this, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new you know what the Bible principle is here? Honor God with your first fruits. You know what that means? The principle is when God gives you something, the first thing, the bill that you pay, the first thing that you do is you honor God with that. Some people look and they say, well, let me see what's left over at the end of the month and then I'll give some to God if there's anything left. That's giving God the scraps. The biblical principle is honor God with the first fruits of the increase God's given to you. You see that in the law. You see that in the Old Testament. You see that in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul echoed that. So well, here you go, pastor, talking about giving. I'm, I'm telling you, this is something I struggle with in my life as well. I want to honor God. I want to be blessed by God. If you want to be blessed by God, there's some principles that you follow in your life. My ultimate desire for each and every one of us here today is first and foremost that we would honor God with our wealth. And that is true for a church, the church as well collectively. I believe that if we as a church, you know, we could accumulate a lot of money right? We could accumulate assets. There's a lot of things we could do. If you look at some of the churches around here, they got multi-million, millions of dollars in building and campuses. You know, my desire has always been when we started our church is not to get big, not to get huge, but to go start other churches. And if that means we stay in a warehouse for the rest of our life, then, then so be it. If that's what God's will is, but we could take, you know, three... 30 or 40 people and go to a different part of Loudoun County and start a new church. You say, well, let's kind of split in the church in half and kicking yourself. And yeah, it might be, but if that's God's plan is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so it's a different way of looking at the material possessions that God has given to us as a church and God has given to us as individually, as individuals. And if we as a church family continue to spend money on ourselves and don't evangelize and reach the, reach the world with the gospel, I believe God's, the well of God's blessing will dry up in our lives, in our, in our church life. And, I, and the same is true for you and I. There must not be a blockage when it comes to financial things. You need to keep the pipes clear. So church, we're going to keep channeling the money that God has given us into reaching the lost and the dying world around us. And my challenge to you is when God blesses you, give God of the first fruits. 
give back to God. And that is when, when we can give to God, we will see that there is a, a sense of blessing, a sense of abundance. But I want you to hear me loud and clear this morning. When I say that God blesses us financially, I'm not trying to say that God will bless us by giving us millions of dollars. Now, he may do that to some of us. But the reason that we are blessed by God, Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 22. Look at this verse. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. You say, okay, well, it sounds like if God is blessing me, he's going to make me rich. That is what the health and wealth preachers on TV will say. They will say that if you are right with God, then you're going to have a lot of bling bling in your bank account, right? You send me $1,000 seed money and God's going to multiply that times 100 next year and you will see a hundredfold return on your investment in my ministry. That is not what God says, my friend. A biblical understanding of what God says with finances is this. You honor God, he will bless you. And we should pray that God would bless us with wealth and money. Why? Because of Proverbs 21, 21. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. Now you say, well, what does that mean? If you follow after righteousness, that means doing what is right in your life and mercy, then you will find life, righteousness, and honor. Why does God give us wealth? Why does God give us things? So that way unreached people groups around the world can come to faith in Christ. Some things cost money, right? You can't say, well, I'm going to give $100 to the Lord and that will equate in one person getting saved. It doesn't work that way. But it costs money for our missionaries to print Bibles for the large populations of people in Asia that still don't have a Bible in their own language. It costs money to fly across the Pacific Ocean. It costs money to take the good news of Jesus Christ. That, that, it's expensive to do aspects of the ministry, and that's why we give. He that followeth. Here's the question. Are you that person that follows after righteousness and mercy? If you do, you will find life, righteousness, mercy, and honor is what Proverbs says. It reminds me of another verse in Matthew. Jesus said this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so as a church and as we as individuals seek after righteousness, my friend, that is when we will see the blessing of God in our life. Another verse in Proverbs that deals with finances is Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 4. He that becometh poor dealeth with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. You know what that means? That means there are times that you are going to have to work 10, 12, 14, 16 hour days. There are times that God is going to require you to work hard. And when we work hard, God, and if you do it the right ethically, right? If you do it, God will bless that. And so if you want to be poor, sit around and do nothing all day. There's a lot of job for, for, for hire signs. If you walk into a lot of restaurants around the area, they're looking to hire people. There's a coffee shop in town that has to shut their doors at 2 p.m. every day. Talk to the manager, and she explained that the reason they close early is because they can't find anybody that wants to work. I said, well, what are you paying? And they said, well, $15 an hour plus full medical plus... Like, there's not a teenager that wants to work at $15. She said, we can't get anybody that wants to work. It just baffles me. I don't understand. And if you want to be poor for the rest of your life, don't get a job. So God says you work and you work diligently and God will reward that diligence, that hard work. That is a biblical principle. 
So the person that says, give me $1,000 and God will multiply that and you can just sit on your couch and expect the paycheck to roll in, they don't understand the biblical principle, right? It doesn't work that way. Another passage in Proverbs where God talks about the things he's given to us is Proverbs eleven twenty four. This may be a little bit hard to understand, but follow, try to follow along. It says, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth more than is meat, but tendeth to poverty. Okay, what does that mean? The Bible says that there are those that God blesses with wealth, and they give, and God increases. They give with an open hand, with no expectations, and God increases. But there is he that is a scrooge, right, that withholdeth more than his meat, but tendeth to poverty. You, I could give you example after example of people that I have done funerals for in Leesburg that have a lot of money in the bank account. And when they die, in fact, I did this a funeral for someone a couple of months ago, the wealthiest lady in Leesburg, according to the funeral director. I don't know if that's true or not, but she was. There was only probably 15 people at the funeral. Um, her, her son that lived way out west didn't even make the trip back to say goodbye to mom. Why? Because money divided that family. Now, she had a lot of money in the bank, but tended to poverty. Maybe she wasn't poor in the poorhouse, but was she rich in her relationships? Was she rich in her walk with God? No. There is something intangible about giving that I can never explain to you. You have to give to understand. And that's why verse 25, the liberal soul, that's not referring to politics, okay? It's referring to those that give. Right, that, that just give. The liberal soul shall be made fat. In the Old Testament, fat was a blessing. If you were, if you were obese, you were, it was a sign that God had provided for you because most of the time you just had a little piece of bread and maybe a fish. That, that was your substance for the day. That, that's the average Jewish meal was really, really small. And so if you had extra weight, you had money, right? Because you could eat well. So God says, if you give, you'll be blessed. He that watereth shall be watered also himself. Verse 26, he that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. You put those three verses together, verse 24, 25, and 26, it's the same thing. God says, you hold on to the blessings that I give to you, you're stingy, then you will no longer be under the blessing of God. Now, I go back to my, my hero in the faith, George Mueller. Remember I told you about him? He was the man that prayed 10,000 plus orphans that he fed. When, when George Mueller died, $11,000 in today's money, that's not a lot of money to disperse to your relatives and to your family members, is it? No, it's not. It, if that was all that was, in fact, my dad actually said he doesn't want to leave any money to us. He wants to spend it all. So that's his goal in life. But so probably we'll be like George Mueller, right? But but when he died, there's not a lot, think about this, financially to give to your heirs. But what was the incredible spiritual legacy that George Mueller could hand off to his family? They knew that dad was a man of faith, that dad was a man of God, that he trusted God, that, that, that he could pray and God answered prayers. An unbelievable legacy. His friends and his relatives, they, they understood this is how you handle money. They understood that I need to get on my knees and beg God to help me, not to bless me so I have a large bank account, but so I can disperse. Remember Solomon was told not to accumulate? The measure of a man's wealth is not in the money he accumulates, but how much money 
he allows to flow through his hands over the course of his lifetime. And my friend, you will stand before God one day and you'll give an account to the Lord for everything that you do. And I believe we'll give an account to God for every dollar that we spend in our life. Why do we use this on ourselves instead of using it on the kingdom of God? Now, Mr. Mueller understood this principle. And I wish that I had the faith that Mr. Mueller had. In fact, you may, Bruce, remember this story. He, he didn't take a salary from the orphanage and from the church that he worked at. He put a box in the back of the church. And he said, if you would like to contribute to my salary, then you can just put some money in the back of the box, in the, in the box in the back of the church. And he had the deacons of the church. They were the ones that were responsible for, for opening the box and dispersing the money to Mr. Mueller. Well, there was one time he had given all of his money, all of his, all of his substance. There was nothing in the pantry. He and his wife had gone for a day without eating. And so George says to his wife, it's time to pray. So they got on their knees and they started praying because they had nothing in the bank and no food to eat. And in the middle of the night, one of the deacons who had been in charge of opening that box and giving Pastor Mueller the money that was needed for his living um, could not sleep. And this deacon was tossing and turning in his sleep, and he could not figure out why he could not get to sleep. And so somewhere around 1 a.m. in the morning, it hit him. Oh, Sunday, I was supposed to see if there was any donations for Pastor Mueller. And so he went back to the church, he opened the box, and early in the morning, he knocked on the door and said, Pastor, this is for you. And he gave him an envelope with cash so he and his wife could go to the store and they could get some food. He said, well, that's kind of a, you know, an anomaly, right? That 50,000 recorded answers to prayer in the journals of George Mueller. 50,000 times things like that happened. I need money. Orphans, Lord, they don't have clothes. They don't have food. And God answered those prayers. So I don't know if I have that faith. My friend, you have to start somewhere. Pray that God would provide for you. And George Mueller, he resolved, he and his wife resolved that they would never talk to anyone about their financial needs. The only one that they would ever talk to was God. And so faithfulness and trusting in God was the spiritual legacy that George Mueller left behind. You say, well, was he lazy? No, absolutely not. He was one of the most hardworking men that you would ever meet, but he was also very frugal with his money and he was faith-filled in what he did. Now, you might think this is kind of an interesting place to transition this morning and we're getting close to wrapping up. But I want to bring you back to a story in Luke chapter 12. Would you turn there if you have your Bibles? We don't have the words on the screen here today. So if you have your Bible, Luke chapter 12, Jesus is telling a parable. And in this parable, he is explaining what happens if you have things in this life that you don't use for God. Luke chapter 12, verse number 16 it says, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast many goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? In other words, what's going to happen to all the stuff that you have left? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. What happened in Luke chapter 12? A rich man had an abundant harvest. God blessed him. He looked at his barns and he said, look, I don't have enough room here to, to keep all this stuff. Like, what do people put in barns? They put stuff, right? 
So, so they just accumulate. So he's like, I'm going to tear down my barns, and I'm going to build bigger barns. And what, what did God say? Thou fool, this very night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then who's going to get the things that you've stored in those barns? But what's interesting in this parable is how it all starts in verse number 16. Look at it. It says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man, right, it, it brought forth plentifully. This rich man's ground produced a good crop. Now, this is how Jesus starts the parable. Where did this rich man's wealth come from? Verse 12, or verse 16, rather. It came from the soil. And that was something that, really, ultimately, the rich man didn't have any claim over, right? He could have planted, and maybe he owned it, maybe somewhere in a synagogue in Israel, there was a title for that land, a deed that had his name on it. But really, he didn't own the land, that God gave him that. The rich man had no claim over what the soil would produce. He could throw the seed out there. But really, ultimately, back in those days, water would from, fell from heaven. It would water the crops. If the water didn't come, you would not have an abundant crop. And so here is the rich man who really had no control over his harvest, and yet he is boasting in himself and saying, look what I did. This is what I accomplished. Where did his wealth come from? It really wasn't his. It was God's. This morning, I want to echo the words of the Apostle Paul. Paul was talking to the church in Corinth, and he said to them, it's not that I desire a gift. He said that I want fruit to abound to your account. And, and I'm not saying this morning, on the way out the door, you have to empty your wallet and put it in the offering plate. In fact, most Sundays, I don't even talk about the offering plate that's in the back there. You can give if God puts it on your heart to do so. That is not the goal of the message today. The goal of the message, like the Apostle Paul says, is I want fruit to abound on your account. The end of verse number, or chapter 12, verse, I'm sorry, the end of the parable in verse 21, if you're still in Luke 12, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. My friend, the measure of a man's wealth is not how much money he accumulates at the end of his life, but it's how much money he allows God to flow through in his life to serve others and serve the community and take the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. And I guess what I'm saying this morning is I, I want us to be faithful like George Mueller. I don't want us to be accumulators. I want us to be open-handed. I want us to be channels that God can use, clear pipes, so to speak, to allow money to flow through us as individuals and then as a church, right, to, to build the kingdom of God. George Mueller was a man of incredible faith. I'm going to close with a story about him. Like I told you, a little bit different message today, right? But I'm going to close with a story about him because I admire him so much. Basically, what happened was, for many, many years, George Mueller trusted God. And he had been trusting God for the day-to-day -day needs of his orphanage now. At one time, he had 2,500 orphans living in his orphanages at one given time. And again, this is a man who could have gone to the King of England and raised funds, right? but he didn't. He never solicited funds from any church members or anybody at all. If God wants to put a burden on somebody's heart, they would give. And just by faith, he trusted God for their needs. As I mentioned, 50,000 plus answers to prayer in his journals he recorded. He would say, we prayed for X and God provided X. He did it for us time and time and time and time again. In fact, one time um, he tells the story of how the orphanage, they needed some milk and some bread and they didn't have anything and the orphans were going to be without food. And so George Mueller showed up at breakfast and the cook said, we have nothing in the pantry. We can't serve anybody this morning breakfast. They're all going to go hungry. So George Mueller gathered all the kids together and he said, let's pray. 
And as he was praying for food that God would provide, there was a knock on the door. And apparently the milkman broke an axle just outside the door. And he said, if I don't use this, if I don't get rid of this milk today, it's all going to spoil. Do you know anybody that could use, you know, gallons and gallons of milk? And George Mueller said, absolutely, praise the Lord. Now, if I were a taxi driver or a, uh, you know, driving some sort of like a business like that, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near that orphanage after something like that happening, right? No, don't go near that orphanage. You're going to lose your load. It's not going to be worth it for you. Not going to make any sense financially. But Mueller trusted in God. The story I want to leave with you, though, is when George was 72 years old, he and his wife were invited to sail from England to America to meet the President of the United States who had heard about George Mueller's work with the orphans. And somewhere off the coast of Newfoundland, um, all of a sudden there was a very dense fog bank that surrounded the ship. And for about 24 hours, the ship just would not move. You understand why? Because in that part of the Atlantic Ocean, the North Atlantic, there's icebergs everywhere, right? And so if you can't see more than 10 feet in front of your ship, it would be a foolish thing to keep the ship going forward until you can see uh, clear ahead of you. And suddenly, the captain of that ship had his life changed forever. For 24 hours, the story goes, the captain had had been up there on the bridge, standing there, watching and waiting for a slight break in the fog. He must have been exhausted and waiting and waiting and waiting for that fog to clear. Suddenly, George Mueller appeared there on the bridge as one of the passengers on that ship. And he said, I'm here to tell you, captain, we have to be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon without fail. They were in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean at the time. The captain said, sir, that's quite impossible. Mueller said, very well, if what you say is true, then God will have to provide another way. He said, in 52 years, I've never missed an appointment, and I'm not going to miss this one. The captain looked at George and said, you know, in his mind, he probably didn't say this out loud, but what type of crazy guy is this? You know, here's this scraggly old guy, 72 years old. What insane asylum did he escape from? Don't you realize how thick the fog bank is and how long we've been sitting here? George Mueller said to the captain, he said, my eye is not on the fog, but it's on the God who controls every circumstance in my life. And then he said, let's pray. And right there on the bridge, he got down on his knees in a simple prayer. Father, I pray that this fog would move so I can get to Quebec by Saturday afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Something simple like that. Well, the story goes that the captain began to pray. He probably felt guilty. Hey, now here's George praying the fog would be moved and And I didn't pray, so it's my turn to pray. As he begins to pray, George Mueller puts his hand on his shoulder and squeezes him a little to stop. And he says, first of all, the reason I have you stop is because you don't believe that God will lift the fog. And secondly, he already has. Therefore, there's no need to pray. The captain's eyes were as wide as saucers as he lifted up his eyes and looked. And sure enough, the fog had been lifted. You say that's an anomaly. No, my friend, that is a man who is in touch with God. Could that happen to me? I don't know. Without faith, though, the Bible says in Hebrews, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You say, what happened to the fog? What was going on? Did George Mueller move it? No, Mueller didn't move it. God moved the fog. And God was, George Mueller communicated with his God as his faithful servant, and God answered his prayer. And so when you've been trusting in God and you trust in God, he starts to show you more and more of his will and more and more of what he wants you to do and more and more things. Wouldn't you love to see that happen here at Faithway? Wouldn't you love it if we were the type of church that people would just get on their knees and pray that God would answer their prayer and God 
We say, God, you're sovereign in all things. Please do X, Y, and Z. And God does it. Not because we're kings and we can command God and tell him what to do, but because we have faith in God like George Mueller. George Mueller knew that he wasn't God. He knew that God was king. But because he was communicating with the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he prayed effectively in faith, believing that God would answer that prayer. So I bring it back to today. The title of the message is A Warning About Money. And the warning is simply this. I want you to be a Christian that stands before God one day and is able to say, Lord, I faithfully stewarded the resources that you gave me. I didn't hoard things unto myself. I didn't keep things because I wanted to build bigger barns. One day, you're going to die. And, and you're going to leave your inheritance to your spoiled kids, probably, right? And what are they going to do with it? They're going to go buy a Ferrari. They're going to they're find a way to waste that which you were hoarding. Rather, be a channel that God can use. Find the blessing that God talks about. There is he that scattereth and yet increaseth. How does that work? All I can tell you is, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Step out by faith and trust God. I'm not saying you shouldn't save for the future. The Bible tells us, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. What does the ant do? The ant lays up a savings account essentially over the wintertime because there's no food in the winter, right? It wait. So there is that side of being a steward, and that's where you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. How much do we save? How much do we give? I'm not trying to tell you X percentage because the gospel is bigger than 10%. It's not about a percentage of money that we give. It's about being faithful with what God has given to us. It's a matter, can I say this this morning, of stewardship. God has given us this life and the things in this life. Will you be an open hand or will you be a closed fist with the things that God has given to you? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you this morning that you and your word do address this area, this a specific topic of the things you've given to us. And I, and I know it can be a difficult, sore subject to talk about because, well, many of us have made things an idol in our lives, and we don't like to think that you tell us there are things to do with the finances you've given to us. But, Father, I pray that you would help us to realize that we will all stand before you one day and we'll give an account of the things that you've given to us. And I pray that we be able to not be like that Unlike that, that fool, the rich fool in the, in the gospel that died the very night that he built his barns and had nothing to account at the end of his life. Father, I pray when we get to heaven, there will be much fruit that abounds to our accounts because we gave to the missions program. We gave to the gospel going forth. We served the greater Loudoun County community. We were able to meet the needs of people all around us. Lord, we thank you for what you have done in the past and over the past 15 years how you faithfully met the needs of our church. Lord, I pray as the pastor of this church that you would help us not to get so introspectively focused and we just focus here on what we can accomplish in building a bigger church, but Lord, that we would focus on the needs of the world around us. This is Pastor Barney Schwenke from Faithway Baptist Church in Leesburg, Virginia. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to the sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you in your journey with God, please reach out to us. You can find more information on how to contact us at our website, faithwaybaptistchurch.com. May God continue to bless you as you seek to walk